0: The gospel, the beauty of Jesus. May we be free. May we rejoice again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Have a seat, church. Have a seat. Thank you, worship team. And Hunter, if you make me cry before I come up here again with one of these songs, (coughs) we're gonna have a talk. All right. So, all right. That's awesome. And guys, I man, I'm just gonna say, listen, if you're watching online. You're missing it by not being here and hearing these voices raised together and just being in God's family and knowing that my sin has been forgiven and I'm sharing it in a room with people who have experienced that same thing. Man, there is just nothing like that in the world. And I'm just serious, guys. Thank you all for being here today. And if you're a guest with us today, if this is your first time or first time in a while, you have picked an awesome day to be here. Because we're going to have baptism in this, uh, later on, and I w- want you to know that um, the water's not warm. So these people are getting baptized, they are making a true commitment to Jesus, all right? It's not, we're not making it easy on them, all right? Because following Jesus is not easy. Getting saved is easy, because God did all the work. But following him is hard, and so, um, um, in fact, could we, maybe, Roman, could you get some ice in there for him, too, just to make it a little bit colder, even, let's... We're, all right, never mind um, but you picked a great day to be here in fact we're going to talk about baptism today in the service. Let me say though we had a handout today so if you didn't get a copy of the handout uh, raise your hand and Reuben will have one for you there and get one for you and we've also got if you're one of the if you're a kid or a kid at heart we have a coloring page and a word search too if you get or if you're one of the people like me that kind of gets bored in the middle of my sermons you can get, you, know, you can ask for the word search too it, it rela- all relates to baptism today so Thank you guys. By the way, while I'm saying that too, guests, if you would do us the favor, we'll mention it at the end of the service, but filling out a connection card, we would love to get a record of your visit. We, we, we're not going to put you on any mailing list. You'll probably, if you give us your email, you get one welcome email saying, hey, this is how you connect with us more, and that's going to be it. It'll be personalized. It'll be from me or from Hunter, but, um, but we'd love to have the record of you there, and if, it te- it'll help you figure out how to get better connected with us if you desire, all right? So having said that, we're going to talk about baptism today, and uh, now I don't want anybody to freak out, but some of you may not know, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit, the background and heritage of our church is Baptist, all right? We don't go by that, now, we used to be known as Ambassador Baptist Church. Uh, it's probably good we don't have that name in it now because Baptists, Baptists have shot themselves in the foot a lot of times, um, usually because of the Southern Baptist, which is the, the, our big brother in the Baptist family, and they're just, they're the problem child. All right, i know because i used to be one of them for, for a while but um but so we're in that in that heritage and stuff and so but we don't use that name a lot because a lot of people don't know what it means so if, we're going to do a little experiment today of how people got names of things All right. so i've got a couple of logos up here so let's show the first one up here the logo there we go rotary club Is anybody here remember the rotary club are you oh no no okay do you know where they got their name rotary club because when they first started they rotated from different people's offices and that's how they became the Rotary Club. Weird way to get the name, but that's where it came from. Let's look at the next one here. Okay, Kiwanis Club. Any Kiwanis Club members here? Not as many, they're not as popular as they used to be any of these guys, but Kiwanis comes from a Chippewa Indian word Kiwanisus, or something like that, which actually means to fool around. But the, but the founders thought it meant to build. And so that's how, and they kept the name. So <clears throat> their, their name comes from, no, nobody knew where it came from, but that's where it's from. Let's take another, so while we're in that same family, one more, the Lions Club. And I did a lot of great things, you know, the Lions with their sight, you know, and the glasses and all that stuff. But their name came from, it was just a secret ballot. They had a bunch of names and, and that was what got the biggest name was Lions Club. It has no meaning to their, to their background at all. <clears throat> I'm going a little bit further, let's go spiritual here. We won't do very many of these. Does anybody recognize that symbol? You know what that is? That's a denomination. That's really, okay, so Baptists are doing a little bit better than these guys because none of you recognize their symbol. That's the Methodist Church. How they got their name, Charles and John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, were ridiculed by their fellow students when they were in college because they were very methodical in how they did their spiritual life. And so they referred to them as the Methodists. And it was a term of derision, but they turned it around into a badge of honor. So that's where their name comes from, being methodical in how they did their spiritual life. All right, a little less spiritual is this one. we got two more I want to show you. All right, that's Christian science. Now, all I'm going to say about that, and I know we're online here and I do it, but Christian science is not considered a Christian. It is neither Christian nor scientific. So where they got their name, I'm not even sure. But their name, they, of all the groups, that's one that's totally unrelated. There's nothing scientific about it and there's nothing Christian about it. and We're, gonna, we're not going to talk much about them anymore about them, but you'll see, if you know anything about them, you'll see how we go into this message, how they are different from what our Christian beliefs are. The last one, you're all going to know this one. <clears throat> Some of you would not even be here today if it hadn't been for a stop at Starbucks. I do want to remember that we do have our missions cafe over here too, so you can get coffee here in the morning. It's cured coffee, but still, it's, you, know, you can get that, and that helps to go to missions. But Does anybody know where Starbucks got their name from? Starbuck was the name of Captain Ahab's first mate in the book Moby Dick. That's where it came from. And Starbucks is not, would you say Starbucks is known for being a, a Christian-run company? Probably not. Starbuck was actually a devout Christian and a devout Quaker. I mean, that's like serious, I like Christianity on steroids right there when you talk about <laughs> being spiritual and stuff. Very devout conservative Christian, but Starbucks took their name from the, from the, from the first mate in the book Moby Dick. So people get their names from weird places sometimes. So where did Baptists get our name from? Well, we're gonna answer that question and a few others as we look into this message. So let's go into the scripture. We're gonna go to Romans. We're gonna part from, from uh, Acts this week and next week. Next week, we got a business meeting. So we're gonna talk some things dealing with with church membership stuff next week. And then we'll get into Acts again in February. <laughs> but we're in Romans chapter six. We're gonna be 14 verses, verses one through four. Paul's writing to the, to the church in Rome He says this starting in verse 1. What should we say then? It relates to all the stuff he said before, but we're not going to worry about that. He said, should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We'll find out what that means in a moment. Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. That's an important line. I know you may be lost in some of this, a lot of deep theological stuff here. We're going to explain some of this in the message, all right? So, for the death he died, he died once, He died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives... He lives to God, so you too consider yourselves dead to your sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires, and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and the parts of your body, or the parts of yourselves to God as weapons of righteous, for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you, because you are not under law, but under grace. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray. Father, we want to stop right now and thank you first for making us a part of your forever family. Father, thank you that through the sacrifice of Jesus, we have entry into your kingdom and into your presence. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And Father, as we look into your word today, guide our study, and may your Holy Spirit teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as you look on your outline, there's sort of two parts to it. There's an outline up at the top, and then at the bottom there's five questions we're going to answer. And we're going to kind of jump back and forth between those two as we do. So we're going to start off right now with answering question number one. Why are some churches called Baptist churches? In fact, Baptist churches is the largest group of evangelical Christianity. Baptists are the largest group after Catholics in the United States. Um, In fact, even in California, uh, Catholic is first in most counties and in most, in all counties, but in in most counties, Baptists are the second largest group. In some counties, it's the Mormons, all right? So there's some counties we're not doing so well in, but but in in every county in California, they're the second or third largest group after the Catholics and possibly after the Mormons. So why were they, why, why did they get the name Baptist? Well, let's go back a thousand years or so. Back when the Roman Catholic Church was the, really the, the only show in town, pretty much. They were the main guys. Well, they started teaching in the Catholic Church that even though we're saved by the sacrifice of Jesus, they decided to, say, to start teaching that there's some things we could do to sort of help out. So Jesus does the savings, but there's some things we could do to help out. They called them sacraments. And there are things that they said imparted grace, and you maybe know some. If some of you come out of a Catholic background, you know some going to confession was one. Getting married in the church was one. Uh, being ordained as a priest was one. So right there, you can see those are mutually exclusive. You couldn't do all of them, you know, all because you could either be married or be a priest, but you couldn't do both. Um, but one of those they said was baptism, and out of that the 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 uh, teaching arose that if you were if you believed in Jesus, but you weren't baptized, you couldn't go to heaven. You had to go to purgatory, which doesn't appear in the Bible. It's kind of a, it's sort of think of it as it's sort of the waiting room, okay? Um, that's, that's an oversimplification, but it'll do for now. And so that's why they started baptizing babies. They started baptizing babies because they said, even though a baby may not have sinned yet, it still has that sin nature, and it's going to go to hell unless it gets baptized, so, if you, any of you born, in, born at St. Agnes? Any of you, okay. It's St. Agnes, it's a Catholic hospital. And St. Ath- Agnes's policy is, if there is a choice between the, saving the life of the mother or saving the life of the child, without question, you save the life of the child. Because the idea is, the mother's had the chance to be baptized, so she's made her choice, but that child hasn't. And that's always the case there. Now, they may have changed it lately, I don't know. If you're on the board at St. Agnes, you can email me and let me know. But that's the way it used to be anyway. They would always do that way for a very theological reason, because the Catholic Church owns that hospital. So um, so they started teaching those things that baptism helps save you and that you had to get baptized to be saved. The term for that is called baptismal regeneration. It's something we've rejected, that we don't believe that baptism is something that saves you. It's simply a symbol. So anyway, so... Um, We'll go, uh, we'll go more into that about baptizing babies in a moment, all right? So we'll hold on to that. So um, So when these other groups, around about 1,000 years ago, nah, maybe not quite that long ago, more like about six, 700 years ago, some other groups started baptizing adults. And the Catholic Church didn't like that. In fact, they persecuted. These guys were called Anabaptists. Anna, Anna is, the, is the Greek preposition for again. So they were saying, um, they were saying, you're baptizing again. But the Anabaptists and people like them said, no, we're not, we're baptizing for the first time. When you you did that infant thing, all you did was get them wet. We're doing the first baptism right here, but that's the background there called Anabaptist to be baptized again. And so um, that became such an important doctrine to churches that they started putting it into their name. And so that's sort of the focus there is, um, what do we, uh, hold on, my notes got messed up here. I am using the Bible up here, but also put my scripture in my notes so it's bigger print to read, all right? So that's why when you see me looking at notes here, I'm not skipping the Bible, but I'm just using my notes here, all right? So, uh, so I got my notes turned around there. So for churches like ours, out of our tradition, like a lot of other churches, we believe baptism is so important that at one point we had incorporated it into our name to let us know that we were churches that believed you make a public profession of faith through your baptism. And that's what we did. So let's talk a little bit now about why baptism is important. So first I want to look at baptism symbolizes what Jesus did for us. What Jesus did for us. And that's really simple. The first thing Jesus did is he was baptized. Okay, He was baptized. You can find it in the, in the Gospels. Most of the, uh, almost all the Gospels record Jesus being baptized by a guy that came to be known as John the Baptist. Uh, because he was doing that baptism stuff. Now, baptism wasn't new to the Jewish people. They'd been doing it for years. If you wanted to convert to Judaism from any other religion, there were three things you had to do. Now you had to do some studies and stuff, but there are three acts that you had to do to, to firmly become Jewish. One, you had to give alms, you had to make some kind of sacrifice, make a donation of some kind. Second, you had to get circumcised. That was a deal breaker for a lot of adult men back then, okay? But the third thing was you went through the act of baptism to symbolize dying to your old religion and being born as a new Jewish person. So those are the things you do. If you want to actually become Jewish, you went through baptism. Well, so they had this thing of people baptizing to symbolize forgiveness of their sins and becoming Jewish. Well, Jesus sort of turned that on on its head a little bit. All right, He kind of turned that around because he wasn't getting baptized to have his sins forgiven. He was getting baptized for a symbol of what he was gonna do for us. So now, this answers the second question down there. Why do we baptize by immersion? If you go to a Catholic church, they'll sprinkle. Some other churches that do sprinkling. There's some churches do baptism by pouring. They say it symbolizes the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which again is not exactly a a biblical thing, but why do we baptize by immersion? Why are we going to make you, okay, the four of you getting baptized today, why are you making you get underwater, okay, and ladies, I know, your hair is going to be wet in front of everybody, but wet hair is a, is a badge of honor in our church. Let's just put it that way, okay. It is a badge of honor. So why do we dunk people down under? Very simply. There's two reasons for it. First, we believe that this is the way that Jesus was baptized. In the, in the Scripture it says Jesus went into the water with John the Baptist and it says he came up out of the water. You don't have to get into the water to be to be sprinkled, to be poured on, but you do have to get in the water to be immersed. Second is the Greek word baptizo. And let's, I got it up there. In fact, let's even show what it looks like. It's going it's yeah, it's going to show it here in a moment. There it is in Greek. Even just to impress you, to say yeah, I did study Greek. All right, I know you don't care. But here's what it means. It means to dip or repeatedly to dip or repeatedly to immerse to submerge of sunk vessels. So if you were a a Greek admiral and you were in a naval battle and you sunk the other ship, you'd report back to your commander, yep, we baptized it. That's actually what it meant. To sink, it was used for sinking vegetables. To cleanse, dipping, and submerging, whatever. This afternoon, if you wash dishes by sinking them, put them on the water, in Greek, you baptize those dishes. That's what it means. To immerse, to sink down. So, Now, why is it not translated immerse in most, most Bibles? Well, back in the day when the Anabaptists were being persecuted and there was going to be things, people were afraid to translate it as immerse, so they just, what's called, transliterated it, they just left the word there, and now it's become so common in our language, you're not going to find really any translation that's going to translate it, immerse, we're all going to use the word baptize now, because that's become an English word, but that's why we do it that way. Now, we're not saying that any other baptism necessarily is, is, is wrong, but we believe this is the most right way. In fact, greatly more right way to do it, all right? And so that's why we do it this way. We don't give people the the opportunity of being sprinkled or being poured on because we believe this is so important. And we're going to keep going about why that's important because remember, it symbolizes what Jesus did for us. First, he was baptized. Second, Jesus died on the cross and was buried. See, Jews baptized to represent people repenting from sin, but Jesus baptized got baptized to show that he was going to forgive us of our sins and so when we do this in baptism it's really important to know that we put people under the water representing jesus death for us and his coming back to life together that's do you guys realize how important symbol that is that that those two things are really important if jesus had not died for us there would be no forgiveness of sin because you would have to live, live a perfect life and you'd have to keep sacrificing animals, which the Bible also tells us is really doesn't amount to anything. You'd have to live a perfect life to get into heaven. If Jesus had not sacrificed, you, nobody can earn heaven. It's only because of Jesus. But if Jesus had not resurrected from the dead, there would have been no proof that God had the power of death over in our lives. But God let Jesus die the penalty of our sin raised him back up to say there's the proof death has no power over us. we just sang about that the grave the death has no grip on me because of what Jesus did and that's what we get to celebrate in a little bit in fact when these guys come up the water if you don't hoop and holler like crazy I mean out of your hearts I don't mean just not not from your mouth from your hearts I will come hunt you down okay because this is a big deal that we're talking about here Jesus died on the cross and was buried to show that he was given a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. So that answers question. Let's go down to question number three now. I know I'm jumping around a little bit here. But question number three says, why do we ask people to be baptized before they become members of our church? And here's the reason. Because we believe that baptism, again, is so important that it not only represents, that it's not only part of our name, uh, or our former name at our church, but it's also something that is so powerful that we say that Jesus says, "If you confess through the mouth, Jesus is Lord." And this is their chance to publicly confess Jesus as Lord. This is their public profession. Them saying, "This is it." And, and in fact, that four that be baptized today, all right, did not Hunter and or I grill you before this, okay? Because we want to make sure you know what you're doing. We want to make sure you understand. This does not save you, but this is you saying to the church, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. Then we talked about what it shows that Jesus did for us. The third thing he did is he came back to life. Now, I've alluded to that already, but this is so important. Jesus didn't stay dead. He took the punishment for the sins of all mankind, died on the cross, but three days later he beat death. Here's what's really important to understand. Your sins were not too great for Jesus to handle. My sins, great as they be, are not too big for Jesus to handle. The sins of everyone who has lived or ever will live, it's not too great for Jesus to handle. Jesus overcame those sins and dealt with them once for all. Once for all. That's why he did this. And uh, let's go back to verses 9 and 10. We don't have them on the screens, but I want you to just listen. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died once for all. It means when we accept Jesus and his sacrifice, death has no power over us. Yeah, we're going to die a physical death that's part of God's plan, that's, you know, um, if it, think about it, if we didn't die, just, we'd be, we'd be 11 people deep all over the earth by this point, okay, and so, you know, God has something better for his plan, but we don't have spiritual death, we don't have spiritual separation from God, and that's so important, let me pause here for a second, and uh, it's not in my, it's where I get off, okay, gotta watch the time here, okay, because when I get off my notes, that's where I wind up going along, but I want to share with you, Uh, One other book uh, out of the book of Romans, a little bit later in Romans 6, we're not getting to that now, it says the wages of sin is death. In other words, what you earn when you sin is death, and that death is the idea of separation. If you have a loved one who dies, you are separated from them. Until, if you're both Christians, you'll be rejoined in heaven, but it'll be a different kind of relationship then. But you are separated from it, and you know the pain of that. And so, when we have a spiritual death, we're separated from God. Sin separates us from God spiritually. But he says, but the gift, not, the, not what you earn, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That God offered as a free gift. That's it. There's nothing we have to do, nothing at all that has to happen. And so, in fact, that leads us into question number four What does baptism, the act of baptism, do for you? Does anybody know? Okay, good guesses. I'm going to tell you real honestly, it's a little bit of a trick question. The act of baptism does absolutely nothing for you. The act of going into the water and dunking means nothing. If it meant something the last time you went swimming, you know, then that did something for you. The act of it does nothing, but it symbolizes what Jesus has done and what you've accepted into your life. It symbolizes something that is of eternal importance. In fact, catch this. When somebody moves from death to life in Jesus, it changes the fabric of eternity. You catch that? When you share your witness with your, 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 your experience with Jesus somebody and they decide to accept, you've been a part of changing the fabric of eternity. So this symbol is important. Don't ever forget that. It's not meaningless. It does nothing, but it has tremendous meaning because it symbolizes what Jesus did for us. But it symbolizes more than that. Baptism also symbolizes what happens to us. Let's talk about that. It talks about what happens to us when we become a Christian. When we become a Christian, baptism shows what happens there. We'll go back to the, okay, first thing that happens when we become a Christian is we die to our old ways. Back in that passage again, Paul's been writing about how God's grace is stronger than sin. And he mentions that some people were thinking, hey, if our sins are all forgiven, then it doesn't matter if we sin. In fact, whenever we sin, we just give God an opportunity to show forgiveness again. And Paul responds to that verse. It's translated in the verse we did today, absolutely not. I think a more accurate translation of the Greek would be, no, that's not right. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Because it's that important. We have died to our old ways, and we can't go back to sin anymore. We've died to sin. Sin no longer has power over you. And that's the coolest thing. You know, before you're saved, you do not have the ability not to sin. Once you are saved, you now have the ability not to sin. Now, we, we do sin, we still have that sinful nature we're still working with, okay? But we don't have to, we have the power now not to sin, should we choose to do so. When he takes us to heaven, we won't even have the ability to sin anymore. That's going to be so cool. But Jesus has given you the power, once you accept him, not to sin. And that's what he's talking about here. We can't do that anymore, so we die to our old self, but we become a new person. All right, so that's the next thing that happens. And this is so cool. Verse 4 says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we, so we too might walk in newness of life. And that's what it's going to represent, that symbolically one person goes under the water, but a new person comes up. And that's super important. That's why we don't hold people down under the water. Jesus came back to life, and because of Him, we come to a new life. All right. So those of you getting baptized, today, you're so glad Jesus came back to get back from the dead, so we can bring you up out of the water as well. All right. It's going to be important there. You become a new person, and then it not only symbols what ha- symbolizes what happens when we become a Christian, it symbolizes what happens after we become a Christian. All right. And there's a couple of things that happen there. First, we die to sin as our master. Sin is no longer our master. Verse 6 Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. So you you may choose to sin, but not because you have to, but because you made a willful act not to. Sin no longer becomes our master. But Jesus becomes our master. We're, just, we're trading masters, one that damaged us and harmed us, to one who is loving and beneficial and will help us. All this is to set up what happens in the life we live after we become a Christian. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And don't offer the parts of it to sin as weapons of, un- of unrighteousness but you are those who are alive from the dead. So offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons or instruments for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are now not under law, but under grace. That's it. We do, we live the life that Jesus has called us to live, not because we have to, but because we've chosen to do so in responding to the love of God. Now, let's go back. We haven't answered the fifth question yet. Why don't we baptize babies? And I think you may get it by now. Babies have not given their life to Jesus. There's no no way a baby can make a public profession of faith, of any any faith in Jesus. They haven't repented from their sins. Now, we believe babies are born with a sin nature. We believe that's something we all inherited from this fallen world. There's lots of theories about how that happens or why it happens. All we need to know for now is, we believe that we are born into a sinful world, we have a sin nature. But babies haven't sinned yet. Um, and so that's why, well, we don't get into that, but, but just in case you're wondering, we believe that th- at some point, what some people call the age of accountability, we don't know who that is, that we have a recognition of our sinfulness. For me, it was six. I remember lying to my parents and realizing that was wrong at age six, and realizing that that had made me imperfect and therefore separated me from God, okay? I was a lot smarter when I was a six than I am now, all right? But, um, but for other people, it might be later. We don't, we don't know when that is. We don't understand that. I think we can be thankful that, that, we, that God did not tell us all the ways that he comes into people's lives, but except they all come through understanding Jesus. We know that, all right? So for our church, baptism is that public statement about what Jesus has done and is doing in a person's life. And that's why when we get baptized, we want you to bring your family, your friends, uh, and even those that don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. We want them to see what's going on. We want them to experience your public statement. We want them to experience our celebration as you come up out of the water. Now, we're going to do one last thing. We're getting ready to close here. Uh, Be a little bit shorter today because we want to have room for for our baptism service, but always want to talk about next steps. So I think there's three next steps you could be doing that I want you to think about. First is, and I want you to hear me very clearly, I want you to examine your life right now. If you have not accepted that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, so that you could be forgiven, so that you can have a relationship with him, if you've not yet realized that your life is sinful and broken and imperfect in God's eyes, and realize that Jesus took that pain of death for you then I want you to consider doing that today all you have to do is admit that you're sinful before God let him call to mind the sins, it doesn't have to be a generic thing but you know admit before God that you're sinful second you just simply need to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offered already, he's already done it for you on the cross but you have to receive it think of it this way, we talked about it being a free gift, and if I were to say, all right to Anthony, hey, I've got a, I've got a, a, a lifesaver here, and brother, you need it, and I want you to have it, okay, so I'm going to give it to you free, okay, all you got to do is give me five bucks and it's yours free, no, that's not free, is it, or if I say, okay, all you got to do is wash my car and it's yours free, it's still not free, all right, if I say, you got to as long as you go to church and you lead a small group for us and stuff, then it's yours free. It's still not free. Jesus says it's yours free. But Anthony, help me out here. I've said this is yours free. Is it yours yet? I have to grab it. Show him. That's when, yeah, take it. All right? That's what it really is all about. Jesus said, I've already done it. But until you accept it, it's not active in your life. You've got to accept it. I'm not going to force it on you, okay? If I let Anthony come and take it, then that's a gift. If I threw it at him, or I I held him down and put it in his pocket, huh? no, I can't take it back. It's yours now, okay? Trust me. That's why it's a wrapped one. You know I hadn't touched it or anything like that. Okay, so. But that's the idea, guys. That's what we're talking about. We want you to do that. And in a moment, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while in this church. We're going to have what's called an altar call. I'll have uh, uh, the deacons and maybe one or two other people down here. And we're just going to give you a chance. If you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can come down here and we'll pray with you. We'll help guide you through that and help you figure out what your next step is. We won't embarrass you publicly. We won't say here anything with the church unless you want to. But we want to give you that opportunity. Second, if you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've done that sometime in the past, but you have not publicly professed that through baptism, I want to encourage you to get baptized, to do that. And, you know, we do most of our baptisms right here. You know, if we need to go do one over at your house and you invite all your friends and stuff, we invite some, as many of the church members that come and do it there, we'll, we'll do it. We just want it to be public. But we want it to be your statement, your public statement to people that I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm so serious about it that I'm gonna do this in front of all of you to let you know, Jesus died for my sins and came back to life, and my old life is dead, and I have a new life that follows Jesus. And if you wanna do that, when we stand in a moment for our, our altar call, then I wanna often in, invite you to come down and do that. Third, this may sound self-serving, but it's not. If you've done both those things, but you don't have a local church, you've been coming here to part of this church maybe a couple of times, or you've come regularly, but you've never committed to say, this is the body of believers where i want to be i want to give you an opportunity to do that too if you haven't been baptized we'll ask you to get baptized but if you've been baptized by immersion as a believer we'll accept that from somewhere somewhere else but we want to give you the opportunity to do that so let me say this here's what i would do if you want to make any of these decisions so i want to ask our deacons come forward if you guys would please anybody else so let's stand together right now and we'll have some music in the background for you we won't take long with this i I believe in long sermons, obviously, but I don't believe in long invitations. Uh, I'll keep it open as long as God says that there are people, tells me that there are people who want to. I'll be down here also. My microphone will be off. You're not going to be telling to everybody. But if God is speaking to you in some way, and you feel like you want, to, that you need to respond, this is the time to do it. Because if you wait till later, that's when Satan comes in and says, you know what? you were just caught up in the emotion or you thought it was really cool or you were impressed by how eloquent eloquent the pastor was. Now probably not that one, but something like that, and Satan will try to talk you out of it. This is your chance to make that act right now. That's all we're asking to do is come down and share it with somebody. We'll figure out the next steps after that. So let's have a word of prayer, and then when the music starts, when you're ready to come, you come as God directs you. Father, just speak to our hearts right now. Father, those who need to make a decision for you, Give them the courage, give them the the, the faith to be able to do it. And Father, as we, the rest of us, offer up our prayers for those around us, Father, you do in each one of our lives what you need to do to give glory to your name, just as you did through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.